Hello and welcome back. I'm Franny and you're listening to Into the World podcast where we talk about all things birth and motherhood. Each week I speak to a different parent about how their babies came into the world and how the journey unfolded. We share the good, the bad, the ugly and of course the funny bits. Because most of all, when things get tough we all need a laugh. Happy listening. Hi, I'm Franny and you're listening to Into the World podcast. It's a light-hearted conversational podcast about all things birth and motherhood. These coming episodes have been all been recorded while the world is on lockdown. I personally have been in quarantine with my three children and my husband for three weeks now. Um, I'm recording this with a baby on my lap as we speak and two children playing in my kitchen. So if you can hear children in the background or a baby breathing, that's because that's exactly what's going on. Um, You'll have to forgive me for those things. And like most of us, I'm just trying to make do the best I can in this situation. So um, I really hope you're all doing well. um, You're staying safe and um, you're physically and mentally well. My heart really goes out to new mums right now, but particularly women who are giving birth in a pandemic, you are heroes. That's all I have to say on the matter. Um, Rascal and Friends are still our wonderful sponsor. I'm so proud to have them as a sponsor right now and I couldn't be more thankful because without their support, I just wouldn't be able to do this right now. They are currently sending out thousands of packages of diapers to mums in need. They They have teamed up with Fragola, which is a baby food delivery brand to make sure that all vulnerable mums out there across the um, Toronto area are getting the packages that they need to help feed and clothe their babies. So I am just in awe of the things that they are doing and I love their products, but even more so right now where you need to make things last a little longer. I'm so glad that their absorbency levels are incredible and that particularly with having children with incredibly sensitive skin, that they keep them dry and I haven't had one single issue with diaper rash since switching to them. I think they're an incredible brand. I think what the thing, the things that they're doing to support mums at the moment is also incredible. If you want to give them a try, you can find them at Walmart in Canada and Tesco's in the UK. You can also follow them at Rascal and Friends on Instagram and get all their latest updates. So before we get into this episode, I want to say thank you to everybody who's participated and taken the time. I know how difficult it is at the moment. I hope this creates a lighthearted distraction for you all and I hope you enjoy listening. So um, yeah, happy listening. Hi and welcome to this week's episode of into the world (laughs) this introduction comes to you from my garden while my kids run around throwing a sled at each other such is life right now anyway i hope you're all well and safe i hope you're all coping in quarantine because my god do i know it's not easy this week i'm speaking to the lovely emma i've been following her for a while on instagram at the playful den i feel like she's like unknowingly my parenting mentor without even realising. I often seek, well, a lot of enjoyment from her Instagram, but also advice and general knowledge, I suppose. She's a kids' culture expert, uh, amongst other things. She owns her own company, an agency called The Pineapple Lounge, and she is a mother of three to Phoenix, age nine, Indy, age six, and Scout, who is around six weeks old right now such is quarantine life that we get cut off towards the end because of family life going on in the background but it was such a lovely conversation to have I really enjoyed chatting to her I really enjoyed chatting to someone outside of my family unit she had some really good points to make it was really interesting to talk to another mother of three and how she how her expectations of birth versus reality played out for her so I really hope you enjoy listening thank you again Emma for taking the time and stay safe people happy listening
feel like I know a bunch of the answers from following you on Instagram <laughs> anyway. But for the sake of listeners who might not be following you as sort of avidly as I am, we'll go through everything anyway. Cool. You're a new mum. Well, actually, we'll start with you as a person. You're Emma. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about yourself. I follow your Instagram, which is at the Playful Den. Yeah. And um, I kind of come across you through, I know you can fall down a rabbit hole in Instagram and somehow find people that other people are following and stuff. Um, but what I really liked about your Instagram was that one, um, it was, I, find, like, I don't know, I find it like aesthetically pleasing. I love all the stuff that you share in terms of decor and it not being like your average stuff. Um, you know, like grey rooms where everything's <laughs> muted and matching and it doesn't matter what gender you have, not that it does anyway, but just a different approach to things, um, a different a difference of opinion, but also coming from a professional standpoint, being a kids culture expert. So I just find it really refreshing, basically. And you're often way better at articulating things I've been thinking in my head. Without just talking over you, I'll let you introduce yourself. Like, tell us a bit about what you do for a living and um, sort of your family setup. Um, and what else yeah. may be interesting is to let people know what your quarantined lockdown life is like because I know you're on mat leave at the moment yeah yeah so tell us about yourself basically what your family setup is and how that's been affected by being forced inside (laughs) yeah so yeah so I'm Emma I am 37 um I am a mother of three and my eldest Phoenix is nine and then there's Indy and she is six, and we have recently had Scout, who is now six weeks old. So back in the baby zone. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a bit of a shock to the system. Yeah, and thank you for your kind words about my Instagram account. Actually, it's probably one of the most frequent comments that I get is that people say, I feel like you've just said what's been on my mind, <laughs> and yeah. it, you just put it out there and said it. And that's kind of what I try and do is sort of, take the sort of swirling subconscious thoughts that I think lots of us parents are having um, and yeah, just, just have a chat about them really. Um, and and I, I'm, I try and be a little bit provocative to kind of get people to think differently about, about parenting, about lifestyle. Um, Cause I think the, you know, the everyday, it, it really matters. Um, and I think I'm, I'm quite into sort of self-development um and just trying to figure out how to yeah just just kind of stay stay mentally healthy and kind of enjoy enjoy this this phase of childhood because as the cliches say it does go very very quickly um my my background is a i'm a researcher i'm a children's researcher so my um my trade if you like is qualitative research so um interviewing um people face to face doing lots of um, ethnographic research which is basically hanging out with people and my specialism is in uh, kids youth and family so I've been doing that for about 12 years now and started my own agency 10 years ago this year so me and my team we work for um, our clients who are big global um, brands who make toys entertainment games, um, food, drink, clothes, all sorts of, all all household names that you'll all be familiar with. Um, And we do um, exploratory research for them. So spotting trends, um, predicting the future, and kind of understanding what is happening in the landscape of um, children and um, parents. Um, And I've I've been doing that sort of commercially, obviously for a very, very long time, which um, builds... I guess, a sort of sixth sense um, around the topics that I have researched over and over again, um, like play, like sort of content, technology, media consumption, that sort of thing. Um, And um, I started my Instagram about a year ago. I've always done blogging. I've always sort of dabbled in blogging, tried to have a YouTube channel once. Um, (laughs) I've always done something. I find it sort of quite cathartic um, and I thought all this stuff that I've learned um, working for all these amazing brands um, there's a lot of like surplus insight um, that 
would be really, really valuable for parents. And that has certainly made me think quite a lot about how we, um, everything really, how we run our home, how we raise our children, um, what kind of choices we make around education and entertainment and technology. Um, and just wanted to, to share some of that um, with parents because I think the the pop culture that our children consume is so influential um, and and the kind of leisure time that they spend is such a key part of what makes them who they are and can have such an influence on everything from their behavior to your relationship to 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 developing passions and and it's it's less so available from experts so if you pick up a parenting book it will be kind of around you know like um perhaps naughty behavior or um, communication or something like that all of which is obviously really important but I think um the pop culture side of things and how children interact with um you know the world of entertainment etc etc um is just so prevalent within their lives and I wanted to be able to to delve into uh, to that um, and share some of the expertise that I've got to to just give parents a little bit more information and help them feel closer because I think sometimes you know you can feel like our generation we want to be so close to our children it's more it's more likely that we want to be friends with them it's quite a different parenting style from former generations of parents um, so we want to have this emotional closeness yet sometimes that their childhood can seem quite unrecognizable because of the way that the world has changed um, in terms of the pressures that they face, in terms of the technology that they have access to, um, you know, the, the games, the, the kind of safety norms that have shifted um, are different. So just really, yeah, try and use what I know to, to help parents close that gap um, a little bit. Yeah, because I think what I like about your Instagram as well is it's like a one-stop shop for like parenting. It's aesthetically pleasing. It's a little bit different, like I was saying before, but going back to what you were saying about being, you know, an expert in your field and research and everything, I think it puts some of the things that we read in other books into context. Yeah. You know, like naughty children, okay, but like is the same thing working across generations when like now you have iPads and... Yeah all these other things like more pressure um yeah like less time to play because parents are working longer hours or like yeah. different situations in terms of like um people's backgrounds and family dynamics that it isn't always relevant to like I don't know if for one of the better example like use the naughty step for example yeah yeah like, I don't know like I just find it really and also I think as like a mother and a parent and someone who doesn't have like a nine to five um, in a box type job. I've found it really interesting to hear your opinion on that as well. Um, there was one particular post or I think set of stories that you was talking about um, that really resonated with me about how mums are always like a working mum, a such and such mum, a something yeah. else mum versus like, there's none of that with dads. Yeah. <laughs> and also just all of the, like it's almost like a obsession with defining women but um yeah I found it's just like an example I guess of one of the things that I found really interesting that you talk about um and obviously you had Phoenix like nearly coming up to 10 years ago yeah. I guess yeah um I wanted to talk a bit about what it's been like going back into the baby world um well actually before we get to that um just tell us your setup in terms of you're on maternity leave, your husband yeah. working from home or like how are you managing yeah. lockdown life, I guess? Yeah, he's a freelancer. So he works from home anyway. And I, um, I work from home a lot. Usually I, I work in London two days a week and then I work from home the rest of the week. Um, so we're very used to being in the house together. Um, um, so that's, that's not a problem for, for us. Um, and we, you know, we're, we're very fortunate. We have a good setup here. We moved out of London about two years ago, um, down to Dorset to the South coast. Um, we live in Bournemouth. Um, and, you know, we've got a good base for lockdown. Um, and we certainly feel, um, you know, incredibly uh, fortunate to have that. We do have a garden. Um, we have got um, 
close by nice outdoor spaces that we can walk to um so we're, we're sort of all right um i mean the kids have to say i don't want to be that sort of annoying person but they have never got on better um i think they're also quite a good age for this to happen um because you know phoenix is just loving the break from the academic um school world um and indy you know she's only six she's still quite little and kids just want to be with their parents at home really like they really do um and i know lots of people are worried about the social aspect and it kind of depends you know on the relationships that your children have in their lives how that's going to affect them but you know that you interacting with them every day is social for them um, and they you know they crave our time and they crave us playing with them and being with them um so for them this is this is nice yeah i find it like the attention is what they're always craving yeah. in a uh three one and um 12 weeks yeah. but my well three and a half year old he's he's loving it and my husband keeps saying like we'll never have this time again where we get to spend yeah. this time with them so i do feel fortunate but not to say it doesn't come without the stress anxiety yeah. and everything else yeah um that like life is throwing at everyone right now um and i always feel like weird saying oh i feel lucky because i don't think anyone's lucky in any sense because there's always like financial worries and everything else yeah. but, um i'm sure we'll look back at this with rose tinted glasses and be like oh do you remember when we had lunch breakfast and dinner together every single yeah. day stuff like <laughs> yeah. um but yeah moving on to some of your like more birth related questions how have you found having phoenix so long ago um yeah. and then ha and then going back into the baby world now what yeah that like it's it's interesting because i think when you've got a baby everything's just so about babies isn't it like you're kind of like obsessed and you consume a lot of information around mm -hmm. that and then as soon as you're out of that baby world you really don't <laughs> like i'm not i'm not someone that would be interested to like dive back into that world like unless i'm in that stage um right now um so it's 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 funny going back into that world and i feel like it's got a lot more intense since um i had phoenix i mean when i had phoenix there was instagram um i did have an instagram account but it was still very much like here's a pretty sunset um like you know it was all quite sort of um it was quite it was nice it was quite sort of innocent and 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 cute there weren't like influencers or anything like that and i had a um, i wrote a blog um and i really enjoyed that and it was kind of like the very early stages of mum blogging um and now it's like like wow it's, <laughs> yeah it's like a whole ecosystem of like motherhood out there um and it's it's just completely different and i feel like i've really um experienced both kind of ends of the spectrum and i feel like quite lucky that phoenix was our first and that i had him at that time when there wasn't quite so much intense social media to kind of drive that comparison culture that there is now um i felt like it was yeah compared to now it was pretty like intuition led um obviously there was the internet and <laughs> it was only nine years ago but i just i wasn't like beholden to a bombardment of information um, and i felt like when i started talking about a few things on instagram and um even when i was pregnant i like the messages that i would get were so different from like what 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 i get when i normally talk about things and it's just right. like there's, there's this kind of like i don't know like there's a sort of um there's a right and a wrong way to do things isn't there very much yeah, in, the, in the baby so world and yeah. everyone is very protective of the decisions that they have made um mm -hmm. and want to kind of tell you about them um and and kind of justify those to you i've I, my conclusion i've come to with that is that everybody essentially doesn't know what they're doing and they're trying their best to navigate the situation that they're in and the only way they can feel better about their decision is to like put it on other people so they're like oh you should breastfeed for example because yeah. i don't know what the right thing to do is maybe breastfeeding is a difficult example but whatever it is like sleep train not sleep train co-sleep whatever that they almost want everyone to do it because then you, if you feel validated that you made the right choice 
yeah everyone's set of circumstances is so different so it's it doesn't make sense to do that <laughs> yeah and I think it goes back to what you were saying about um you know when I was talking about how I hate labels and how there's lots of I feel like there's a lot more sort of typologies in the in the young in the in the very early years so there's sort of like baby and toddler years it's almost like what type of parent are you going to be you're going to be like the earth mum that does the like wearing and the co-sleeping or you're going to be like the, the you know the, the full-time working mum like and I I don't really um I don't really subscribe to any of that because I just think you know you just you just bumble along don't you and you just kind of do you know snippets take, of everything yeah take pick a mix pick a mix like a bit of this bit of that and also you know life is very much chapters like nothing is finite so you know I start I mean even in the short six weeks that I've had scout um you know you would look at me and say oh she's doing the baby wearing and you know the skin to skin and the exclusive breastfeeding and you know I tick a lot of all those boxes but even like six weeks in now I'm like I'm gonna give him a bottle of formula like in the evening because I'm exhausted <laughs> and like there's a pandemic going on and I'm homeschooling and I'm just okay with that and I'm just gonna experiment like it's fine you don't have to sort of like you know fit into these kind of neat um kind of like typologies it's it's a, it's a very intense um, three years in the kind of culture of, of parenting compared to what I feel like it's it's slightly different intensity with the older kids but yeah it's kind of yeah strange diving back in a different set of uh, situations though when they're at school but mine are so close together that I'm I'm actually looking forward to coming out of the baby phase yeah. I was talking about but also for me personally I've I feel like I've dabbled in everything I'm like oh I co-slept when it was easy and now I've sleep trained the second one and then this time I'm like I bought this like ridiculously expensive bassinet that basically rocks your kid to sleep and oh, I saw you posting about that. It looks amazing. Incredible. I mean, I yeah. don't want to be that annoying person, but she is sleeping 12 hours at night. Yeah, and, it and it's so just good. that. And then I've done formula, um, breastfeeding and formula. And my milk actually dried up when we went into like lockdown because um, I think just the stress and I yeah. wasn't feeding enough. But yeah. now I'm like exclusively formula feeding. So I'm like, I'm, I've been everything. <laughs> yeah all of the mums which is why yeah. again I don't subscribe to any um going back to your pregnancies though like what have been the highs and lows for you in that I found this this third pregnancy um a lot more difficult um so when I had Phoenix I would I would have been 27 um so 26 when I got pregnant and yeah 10 years is a, a lot on the old body <laughs> I just felt much yeah fitter and it was it was like I don't know walking in sticky mud or something yeah um, yeah, yeah. With that. and this this time I've just, I, I was a lot more tired um and I had that um pelvic pain thing that I've never had before um so yeah like when I and when I was even when I was pregnant with Indy like I remember I was flying to New York um at about 35 weeks um and with this pregnancy with scout I was like pretty much bed bound <laughs> around that time I could like barely get out of um bed in the morning so I think yeah I was a lot more a lot more tired and felt it a lot more this third you time around put that down to as well like having two other children to look after and a business to run and everything else do you think part of it was that as well or just... yeah I think so but then even like when I had Indy we still we still had a toddler and I still had the business and that was quite a it was quite a stressful time to take maternity leave because the business was still quite immature so it would have been three years old so it wasn't really an ideal time for me to step out of the business because I still had quite a junior team um but I still flew through that pregnancy um just had much more energy um like yeah, yeah I think I think also I'm just a bit more you know a bit older and a bit wiser and I'm, I'm I'm just a bit like you know you don't need to like run around the world to prove anything <laughs> to whoever you're trying to like you know you just just slow down chill out I got to that phase much quicker um because I'm a little bit a little bit more emotionally mature I think right yeah that's a that's a Fair point. I think as well, I was going to ask you, like, with um, this time around, because I thought 
you know, having a third child and I've had them fairly close together, I was like, oh, like I've totally got this. Like, oh, I kind of thought I could skip through things that I previously felt difficult because like I could either see them coming or like I thought I know how to deal with it. I was wondering if you experienced that having a third sort of thinking like I'm my own expert, not like I didn't think I was an expert in parenting or being a mum, but I was like, like I'll know my kids. I've had two really different ones and like this is going to be easy. Um, 100% like um, even in the labour I was like that like after five hours I actually said to the midwife why isn't this baby out yet like <laughs> everyone has told me that this baby's going to come out really quick like like I was like looking to her like like I was going yep. for a, a refund at the shop or something I was like I want a refund this isn't the experience I was promised like where is this baby she was like uh is that you know like, you haven't been labouring for that long in my opinion I was like <laughs> Okay. Um, and yeah, and this week, um, I've been, I've been, ever since he's been born, I've been like, just trying to put him down, like of an evening, like he just goes to bed, like he has a bedtime, a normal bedtime at like 7pm. And I'm like, what? what, I'm putting him down and he's just waking up. <laughs> or like, I'm trying to put him down and he's just like cluster feeding for two hours. And I'm just like, and, and then and my friend said to me, um, on a zoom obviously because that's how we speak to our friends now um she was like just stop trying to put him down like he's six weeks old and I was like oh yeah so <laughs> so well, now I'm just like okay. <laughs> I come out of that like I thought that yeah I just knew best and that I'll just put him down her down sorry right from the beginning and like I'll have this like perfect routine because I know what I'm doing with the other two and she was just like what are you doing I just want to yeah. like yeah and then we've come kind of out the other side. I think being locked in our house has been helpful because yeah. we have nothing better to do. And in, yeah. in those three weeks have sort of turned a huge corner, but I'm, I'm sure it's her age. Um, so going back to the birth, what, um, yeah. what was your birth plan? Because obviously you've had two other children when you had Scout and yeah. so much expectation isn't there. Like I had yeah. so much expectation, even when I said, oh, I, you know, anything can happen. Um, and like, I still had expectation while saying that. Yeah. Well, I think the third baby, I mean, I don't know for you, but is is almost like that little luxury baby where you're yeah. you're kind of I mean, for me obviously I had a massive gap and I was like, right, we are older, we are more financially stable, we have a house. Like when we had Phoenix, we just had this like little rented flat. Um, we know what we're doing like you know we're pretty good parents these other two they're bloody awesome like they've turned out all right like <laughs> this is gonna be an experience my business is much more established I have loads of really brilliant senior people that work for me now so it's you know I can step out um and um everything just went tits up <laughs> like right, right nothing went to plan so with the labor um but um, hypnobirthing, I mean, it must have been around when I had Phoenix and Indy, but I, I just did never, I'd never heard of it. Um, and obviously I'm quite plugged into parenting stuff, but I just don't think it was like trending um, or, or as established. Um, I think with Indy, maybe like I'd heard bits of it. And actually I did, I did meditative breathing. Her labor was like the easiest by far. And I did so I sort of did it but I didn't do like a course or read a book or anything whereas this time obviously there's just so much information around and like products and and things on hypnobirthing so I was like wow I really want to like give this a go properly and I did the um positive birth company um the digital pack um so watched all the videos and and I really got into that and I was like listening to all the audio like as I was going to bed and you know I'd have this routine where I'd have a bath and um, oh it's making me feel quite nostalgic and I'd like listen to it and and I was just like and and I found it completely mind-blowing because I've had two births and I didn't know a lot of the information um, and I didn't realise like hypnobirthing, it, I mean it really is a mindset thing, I thought it was going to be a bit like a headspace but for, for labour, um, like, a, like a meditation thing but it's like very educational and as soon as it came on and she started talking about you know, changing the language that you use, which I talk about a lot. Like, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be like all over this. Um, and I did, I loved it. Um, and I just felt so excited to have this labor because I was like, this is going to be like, 
so different and I just feel so informed and I'm ready and I just I've always considered labor before as I, I've had all of them um all of them different but the same so all um natural um deliveries um just on gas and air um all three of them but I think with the other two I'd always just seen it as like something I've got to get through um whereas with this third one I was genuinely like thinking of it yeah something that could be an experience that I chose and could be amazing but yeah it didn't didn't really go that to plan um your like birth plan then was you thinking like I'm that's that was your aim but was you going to do that in the hospital Um, yeah so I have this low platelet thing in pregnancy where like my platelets just like fall off a cliff so I'm not allowed a home birth um I probably could have if I'd pushed for it but I just um I totally buy into all of the benefits and maybe if I had a fourth, which I wouldn't, I might go for one, but, um, but, um, I, um, can't do it in case, um, that I needed a blood transfusion is not really that safe. So, so I was always going to be in hospital, but I wanted to be on the, um, the sort of home from home, um, birthing suite rather than on the ward, um, which is just like pools and it's midwife led, um and then I, I couldn't have that either I wanted to have a water birth I couldn't have that I basically when my waters broke um which was at three in the morning I knew straight away because it happened with Phoenix because I could tell by the color and he the baby had done a poo in the womb so you get like this meconium yeah and the same thing happened with Phoenix as well, actually. And, and I knew as soon as I saw the waters, I was just like, oh, man. Like, and I just knew that everything that I planned, I couldn't have because I knew I'd have to be on a monitor because you, you have to be to, to constantly monitor the baby's okay, uh, and stuff. Yeah, heartbeat because there's meconium in the womb. Um, and I knew I wouldn't be able to go on the, um, the home from home um, ward because like birthing center I suppose it's more like that yeah yeah exactly um so I got there and they said yeah it was that and they and then they wanted to speed up the labor um because if you have that meconium in there they want to try and get you get the baby out within 12 hours um and I was like I don't I don't want it <laughs> I don't want to go on the drip um because I just felt like it was all happening naturally. Like I, my waters had broke. I was having contractions. They were getting closer together. And like all these people came in and they were just like looking at me like, what are you doing? Because it's like a risk. Um, And even though I, I felt quite, I felt quite intuitively strongly that it would, I would have been fine without that drip, but it's really difficult when they're sort of saying you don't have to, but, it is in the best interest of the baby that you get on this drip and speed the labor up. Um, What can you say? It's so different when you're doing the hypnobirthing and you're telling yourself all this versus when you're in the moment. And even like at times where I previously told a midwife something or a doula something like, this is what I want. Being in that moment, especially when you're in most likely like pain or discomfort at this point where your mind can be so easily altered. It's so different. And yeah. obviously the worry of like, am I making the right decision for my baby? Yeah. But it must be disappointing to get to that phase and be like, oh, like I've tried so hard to get this particular experience and things out of my controller being taken away. It's yeah, it was. Yeah. And if I do, if I go back and do anything different, I'd still do all of the hypnobirthing and, and it was still like super helpful. I did... I did it. I did it all. I had the headphones in. I did the the sound, and you know, I did that for hours just with listening to um, to that, and you know, laboured through it like really peacefully. Um, but I think if I if I could change anything, I'd have um, maybe spent a little bit more mental preparation on um, how you're going to cope with this if if none of this plan happens. Um, yeah. Because I felt like before, although I wasn't as mentally ready and although I wasn't thinking about this labour in a more like peaceful experience to enjoy, I think I was just a bit like, just see what happens. <laughs> Whereas this time I was almost like so prepared, you know, the expectations yeah. were really high. Um, um, but they you know, in your way in a way, don't they? Like I think 
um, I had a home birth for my second and a bit like you were saying about Indy, it was really quick and it was the easiest birth I've had. When I say easy, I mean, it was kind of over before I knew it. It was very intense, but it was like, oh, I'm at home in bed with the baby. I just <laughs> What happened? <laughs> what happened? So everyone kept saying, oh, your third is going to come like in, in a flash because yeah, you had a baby from start to finish in three hours. So I was planning like, I'm not even going to get to the car. And instead yeah. I ended up, you know, eight hours or more than that later in my midwife's car from the birth center to the hospital because she wouldn't move and I nearly gave birth in her car. So anyway, it was just like all the things I hadn't <laughs> imagined. Yeah. And to my midwife, um, uh, you must have done this loads before and had like people in the back of your car and people giving birth in your car. And she's like, nope, never even give someone a lift to the hospital. And I was like, what? <laughs> anyway yeah my expectation that like my point was is that my expectation of this like glorious home birth or birth center birth whichever I was happy with ended up in hospital in like yeah. the complete opposite of what I was thinking was going to happen and um yeah. I didn't even pack a bag to stay and like I lost a bit of blood and it was like yeah you was being so naive even though you was telling everybody yeah. I'm expecting anything from a home birth to a C-section. It's like, oh, wasn't really. Yeah. Um, which, yes, I can relate to that disappointment. But how did it play out then after you've got there and they're trying to put a drip in you? Did yeah, you so, yeah, so I had that in. and then I think I did the hypnobirthing, um, just labouring for like five hours. Um, and... And then that's when I got to the point where I was like, why isn't the baby coming out? And I didn't want any examinations because I learned that in the hypnobirthing. Um, so I hadn't had any. So no one knew how far gone I was. So I thought like literally the baby was going to come out any minute. And, um, and she was like, do you want an examination? And I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. like, everything else has gone to pot. So yes, give me an examination. And then she was like, oh you're you're five centimeters and I was like oh my god um okay um but then it was weird because as soon as I knew that actually that was helpful information because she said look I'm pretty sure like it it's going to start happening quite quickly um but she was like this baby's not coming in the next hour and as soon as she said that I was like okay and I just lay on the bed and went to sleep (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> me and Ben were like exhausted um and then like because I knew I was just doing the contractions with the gas and air and then just like sleeping in between and then like this sort of crazy pain probably, uh, probably it, the pressure to, to not have them any second now yeah it was like getting to you where when you was like oh fine then yeah you almost gets a chance to relax a bit more I think definitely for me when my midwife said to me, look, she's stuck. I think you need to go to the hospital. I'll give you two hours to turn her. And I was like, oh, fine, whatever. Like, let's just go to the hospital. This isn't happening. And then, of course, I get in her car. My water's broke um, all over her back seat. <laughs> and there we was, like, trying to hold it in before I got to the hospital. I was like, well, oh this is annoying. But I don't think it would have changed because it was my expectation and that sort of, like, pressure. Yeah if I hadn't have got in her car, I mean, and who knows anyway, but it's just so weird how your mind is connected to your body. I think even when you think you're trying to help it, you essentially maybe aren't and you don't realize it. Yeah. Yeah. Soon after that then was he, was he born? Quite. I think the, I think the, the whole thing was like six something hours. Um, so then when what's that part of the labor called like the part where you just go absolutely like batshit crazy um that part was yeah that was uh yeah like I, yeah oh, it's one of them they call it don't they like when you're trans that's it yeah that's it um and then um that was like pain like i'd never felt before um and she said oh he's back to back in there um which I've never had before and and so the contractions just suddenly started feeling like it was like he was coming out my back coming out my bum coming out like everywhere it was um it was crazy and then I was just like and then I just lost it I was so zen up until that point and then I just like totally lost it and I was like I can't do this like I, I, I can't I can't get him out I can't do it um 
And then I think he came out about five minutes after me having that. <laughs> and but there was like twenty minutes in that in that period where I I did just absolutely lose it, and I just like ripped the earphones out, <laughs> like the, <laughs> the the tape, you know, the meditation thing. I was like, I can't listen to that. I don't care anymore. Oh, yeah. I was just like, oh my god! And then I was on my back, and I, you know, I obviously didn't want to have him on my back. Um, and I was like just doing all the things that I said I wasn't going to do. But I think just that that transition and it's just like, I don't know, it's almost like you, you just lose control. Um, and um, the pushing part was like really short, um, like probably like the shortest out of the three of them, I reckon. Um, and then he just like came out like a bunch of giblets. <laughs> Um, but I think afterwards I felt, I felt had, I don't know, I, would, I don't know if I had trauma because I don't know, I don't want to like over claim that word. Um, but I, for that 20 minutes where I lost it, like that's the only part of the labor that me and Ben could like remember for like, the, you know, the first few days. And it felt like the labor had been awful um and um just because of how i'd lost control in that 20 minutes and i felt really um almost like disappointed in myself um and yeah like i'd done this whole like stint and all these hours of being like this uber zen like doing all these like lovely like earth poses and super chill and then at the point it felt like at the point where it really mattered um i just absolutely like lost it um and I think I was like being a bit unkind to myself um and I, I think it sort of coupled with the, the fact that I had the disappointment that I didn't quite have the experience that I wanted I'd almost like um built this false, false memory of the labor that was just focused on this very small portion of time when actually yes I did have to have a drip yes I was on the, the monitor but it was like really peaceful for hours and hours. Um, and there was just that like one, you know, that, that, that sort of 20 minute burst of, of craziness, but my goodness, like how do you get through without having a moment like oh, that? I, I completely agree. I've, I've, I feel like the last two births I had, which were both unmedicated, that point is, was so animalistic where I was like making cow yeah. noises yeah. Um, and I thought I could override that again this time being having a third and having the second one quickly and I was like I think I can do it like better this time yeah but it was actually the most intense of any moment was yeah probably a similar amount of time like 20 minutes where I was being wheeled into the hospital I was screaming bloody murder I probably put off mm -hmm. everyone from having kids who passed me and then I got into the room and within five minutes she was out but it was just so and I felt like kind of like dirty and horrible like I was just like sweating and I was screaming and yeah it wasn't in any way what I'd imagined but you're right it's like I had a beautiful time at the birth centre before that Mm. And those minutes do stick in your head more than anything else. Yeah. Those times. Yeah. But I, I do think it's just like this animalistic thing where your body's like, this is the last bit you've got. Yeah. And I'm making it intense to force you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if anyone can maintain control during that bit. I mean, I guess people do. Um, it's relative to like, do you know what I mean? Like they might be so zen before that you couldn't tell they're in labour. So it's still yeah. relative to how they were before that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. But anyone who can do that and, you know, not... But the other thing is, I mean, this uh, uh, us rationalising this is ridiculous because you don't have to do that. Like what, what, what are you trying to, like you're trying to have an Instagram birth. Like no. you just, just like there's, there's a human coming out of your vagina like <laughs> you you're like you you can do whatever you want to do um and I think but I think also like I mean I don't know if you're quite similar but I am um you know I'm in control of all aspects of my life all the time and I read this on something after after the labor and it really helped me sort of process it and it was like particularly with women who um you know are very like in control of their choices and like you know their lives and and have kind of like really sort of hold themselves to high levels of like um yeah like independence and all that sort of stuff like 
losing control for, for those particular types of women um, can be quite traumatic for them. And that's how, that's how I felt. Um, and I felt like, like embarrassed about it because it's not really like how I normally am. Um, and, and I guess it just felt so kind of out of character to the point where like when I got home, I was like, oh man, I didn't like see the midwife after to apologize for for like the things that I was <laughs> saying in that 20 minutes. And yeah, and isn't that a crazy <laughs> thing to be on your mind that she would probably be upset to think that that was like the last thing, the first thing you're thinking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, can, I, really, I can really relate to that. I definitely try and control too much or I try and be relaxed about things but I think deep down there's still a sense of me that wants to control things and it is expectation led I think a lot of the time yeah. but I really related to what you were saying about coming home and like wanting to take some time to yeah. um, process it I remember watching your stories and I was sort of I don't know maybe six weeks ahead or something being like that is exactly how I felt. Again, like, it was like, I hadn't realised it, but somebody else saying it and it still being within a period of time that I could remember, yeah. it was really interesting because I was, it was like a, a realisation of how I was feeling before. And yeah. I feel like I could say I had a traumatic birth, but those, um, those minutes were what I was holding on to rather and I went back to my phone and looked at photos that my husband was taking before and I thought like, oh no it was really quite lovely it was just yeah. that last yeah. minutes where I turned into yeah. like the mad woman who was like yeah. screaming and shouting and like <laughs> blood and god knows what was like flying everywhere um, but yeah but we, always, we always focus on um the negative parts in every you know we always do that it's a natural human thing to do and I, I I do feel like um my post labor recovery was exactly how I wanted it to be um and I do feel like I took the time to make peace with um those thoughts that I was having about um the labor and I sort of look back at it now um it very differently um and do feel like really proud of us um and I had a really really like slow recovery which was what I wanted I think um definitely like with the other two I don't know I was I felt like I was just like at that buggy fit class like as soon as I could get there and like out on like parenting circuit like partly because I didn't have any friends that had um children um but yeah I was just so like up for just like bunkering down like I knew what all the injuries were going to be and I was like prepared to to kind of you know really like take things slowly and to a certain extent still am don't really have a choice now because we're in lockdown um (laughs) that's been help like a help or a hindrance yeah probably a bit both really I mean I think like I was definitely I think this experience for everyone is like such a roller coaster um and I kind of like I'm flitting between seeing lots of like positives for us as a family feeling like you know really you know strong feelings of like gratitude and appreciation for each other um and for you know for our lives um to just like being really pissed off with um this is not the maternity leave that I had planned I'm not having any more children um this is a completely different life stage for us um and you know we've we've moved here out of the city and you know we live in this house and just wanted this to be such a different experience and you know we would have been on the beach today <laughs> for example um you know so I was really I you know I was definitely miffed there's about that there's definitely like a grieving process of that I think because similarly with us like I'm not going to have another child and I was I'd kind of felt like I'd learned so much in the last sort of four years of what I wanted this maternity leave to be like. Um, even though I had the last two so close together that I'm not like really getting one. Um, but now I'm really not like, this isn't yeah. anyone yeah. describes as maternity leave, is it? So yeah. I can really empathize with that. And I, I just can't stop thinking about people giving birth right now. Yeah. It's like almost overwhelming sometimes, but yeah. Um, it has forced me to slow down and actually spend the time with Briar, our baby, that I was hoping to do. It's just in a completely different setup. It's yeah. like I can sit and feed her and take the time and not be worrying about 
drop-offs, pickups, yeah, activities or whatever. Um, but it's still with my other two children, like running around and like everything. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is much more difficult for you. With I think to, to, the combination of like toddlers and babies is oh, is, it's, is it's so hard. insane. Yeah, but it's still creating some of the things I wanted. Just it's almost like oh, be careful what you wish for because it yeah. might you in a totally different way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I wasn't imagining this, obviously. Um, <laughs> So in terms of um, like recovery, what do you think was the one thing that like helped you most? Was it setting yourself up to have this period you were talking about with just um, yeah. kind of accepting that you're going to be in and like bunkering down and enjoying that period? Yeah, definitely. And I think... Um, I mean, I think just knowing what the kind of the, the sort of I call them injuries because it just helped me to think of them like that. Because if I haven't, if I had an injured ankle or whatever, like I would look after it properly and I would like ice it every night and not run around on it. And that's kind of how I think about post labor. So you know, I did all of the like treatments and you know all of the you know the first time you go to the toilet and like that's like another bloody birth isn't it and like you know just making sure I ate properly and had the right the right tools in the house to <laughs> to get through those injuries and like you know I was having a bath every night and um yeah I think just like I didn't you know I would just put something on um Netflix so I was happy to just sit there and like feed while he was learning to feed and I was learning to do it again um without kind of I think with with definitely with Phoenix with the first maybe even with Indy I would be very much like oh my god they need to feed again like what yeah. <laughs> and I think this time I'm just a bit like you know I did only I did only feed them an hour ago but you know just let them have it yeah 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 well I think when you have less things sort of clouding what you need to do it's easier to I don't know, have that mindset as well um, when you've decided to bunker down or when you're stuck on lockdown and you're in your house, yeah. nothing better to do. Yeah. Well, I say nothing better to do, but when you have kids, that's just like not the case. Um, <laughs> if um, in terms of like recovery, what's the sort of single most helpful thing that someone else has helped you with, like whether it's dropping off food or... I don't know your husband helped. I think I think lo looking after the other children, yeah. Um, and I think we we definitely have a temptation to just be like we want to be together all the time um, mm -hmm. when when we can. Um, and I think after he was born, you know, a couple of the school mums offered to take the kids, um, and where previously I might have been like, oh no, we're fine. I was just like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> take them um because I wanted the time with uh, like Ben on, on his own as well because yeah. he's obviously doing all of the the school stuff and like you know sort of lots of bedtimes and stuff with them but I wanted to have just like the, some moments with just the three of us yeah. um because it's just such a sh such a short time um you go back and do it do you and the whole no. doesn't get offered after a period of time anyway yeah exactly and I also had a full a full switch off from work as well which I probably didn't with um Indy um just a full unplug unfortunately I did have to dive back in because this is just a very unusual time to be in business at the moment um yeah. but certainly in those first couple of weeks um just like fully unplugged um I did do some um social media but not very much um so yeah, I think I think just disappear, just disappear into the bubble, and um, I think you just got to give your body everything that it that it needs, um, literally whatever that is. <laughs> and we also got his tongue tie done um, straight away as well. All three of mine have had um, tongue tie, um, and just having been quite experienced with that, I was just like not messing around. And we actually had it done privately. We had someone come to the house and just do it the first day that he was back. Um, so that didn't slow anything down with the feeding. Oh, that's great. Because that can really like throw people, can't it? And it can take ages to get diagnosed. And It can. And it's, it's something that I feel quite passionate and quite frustrated about because um, I don't know why they don't just do it 
um after they're born because it's i, I know it's i've so- had so many people who find out like two months later and they're like struggling and to the point where i've been the opposite i'm like are they tongue-tied are they tongue-tied because that would that would explain something yeah. they just want to feed all the time it's nothing to do yeah with <laughs> yeah no it is and i think it's it's the, the tongue ties obviously you know it doesn't harm harm you um or the baby um but it's the not it's the not the feeding can't it is that more yeah and it's the knock-on effects that it has like if you know you can struggle with feeding and then you know that that has massive implications on on the mother um which is what i had with phoenix he didn't have his done till so late um and i we just struggled and struggled and struggled and um yeah especially when it's your first one and you don't really have the confidence to just be like you know be more pushy and more forceful with it um yeah so had that done straight away um so yeah um so just I know we've been talking for a while now and no doubt you've got to get back to your kids as well um I was going to move on to the finishing questions Um, yeah I feel like some of these have become even more relevant now that we have so much time. Well, I say time to ourselves where you have so much time, but yet none at all, all in the same. Yeah. It's, really, it's really busy doing nothing. Yeah, I know. And sometimes I'm like, whoa, no wonder they're hungry. It's like three o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> kind of missed lunch. Um, anyway, um, uh, the first one was going to be like what having sort of across your period of motherhood is there anything that sticks out as like a real sort of funny moment or a mum fail or something where you're like oh my god like what am I doing um is there <laughs> yeah there's probably out? yeah god there's probably been so many um I have twice um turned up at birthday parties when they're ending um <laughs> I've done that twice um and it's awful because your child is really upset all the other mums just think you're absolutely uh, useless uh, and you're just like, like at the time they're finished they're, they're due to finish yeah you just give the present and go it's a bit weird um <laughs> and I will say this um this week I have called Scout Storm since he's been born I've called him Storm about three times which is the name of our previous cat <laughs> oh I've I, I can relate to that. I'm just like, sometimes I'm like, oh, which one is it? Uh, but, but, uh, or I keep calling um, our daughter a boy. Um, and my son has got really long, really long hair, like literally down to here. And so everyone obviously thinks it's a girl, but it's become confusing where like, I can't even remember which is which anymore. <laughs> I was like, oh, our neighbor gave um, the kids some dolls. And he was like, I've got one for your beautiful daughter. So I'm thinking like the baby and he's meaning like my yeah. butcher looking one-year-old toddler. <laughs> so I was just I was so confused. But then I started referring to, I've got to a weird point when I, now you're obviously in your garden all the time, they can see us. And I'm like now referring to my son as my daughter just to make it less awkward yeah (laughs) anyway um and then um if you had one day without kids where you aren't on lockdown and like the world is your oyster like how would you spend that like what are you craving Mm. um as a mum of three um when you get a bit of alone time well I'm I'm a sea swimmer and I haven't been able to go and see since um since I've had um scout because I stopped um to sort of yeah about two-thirds through my pregnancy just because it's so cold down here and I couldn't fit in my wetsuit and I wasn't quite sure about swimming so heavily pregnant with the cold temperature shock so and I can't go in now because we can't go to the beach because we're not allowed so I am just craving diving into the ocean that is going to be I think it's going to be quite emotional actually um I'm just craving it um yeah so badly I've actually been doing this, um, I watched a Russell Brand podcast and the guy on it, Wim Hof. Yeah, Wim Hof, yeah. So I've been doing the cold shower thing, which is really hard. Yeah. It's really weird because when I do do it, I do feel emotional. You saying that, I can imagine, I can always picture myself diving into like cold water, although I've never done it and I'm not going to do it. Um, (laughs) And like, I can imagine like you having that moment. Yeah going to be like my rebirth I think yeah Um, oh my god I'm very very much looking forward to that yeah um I I can hear um uh, a little crying baby so I'm gonna have to go we will we will will wrap up there it's been um a real pleasure talking to you and thank you for taking time out 
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. It means a lot to me and all the guests involved because bearing your soul and opening your heart to tell your birth story is sometimes a really difficult thing. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please rate, review and subscribe and also enter this week's giveaway to a chance to win something fab just for yourself. Thanks for listening and allowing the guests of the podcast to have their voice and their story heard. Forever grateful, Franny.